0: Connecting
1: life and faith. This is
0: connections. You know, on July 7, 2017, I was in my top bunk. And um, I didn't say I don't pray. I didn't pray at all. You know, I, I just I woke up with a I thought a medical condition. And I couldn't breathe. I literally could not breathe. And so I was trying to get oxygen into my body, and I I'd take this deep breath and I just force all this air out. And when I did that, all this like Guilt, shame, remorse, anger, and all this just darkness was coming out of me. I felt just darkness coming out of me. And then when all that happened, I literally took this deep breath and just, I mean, I filled my lungs up as much oxygen as I could. And it was just, it was love. I mean, it was just, it was it was like ice water. I mean, I just, it was this awakening like no other. It, I was born again. I mean, Christ just filled my life, you have know, filled my spirit.
1: Today's guest has a powerful story of transformation. We're joined today by Michael Moulton. He was living his best life when the world, as he knew it, came crashing down around him. He struggled with addiction and eventually reached rock bottom, ended up in jail. And now he's sharing his story of how he turned from felon to phenomenon. We're joined today by Michael Moulton. He is an ex-con who is now helping bring restoration to fellow inmates you have experienced plenty in your life tell us a little bit start off with your childhood and life growing up you always wanted people to think that life was perfect or that your family was normal but that's not how things were
0: well it, it wasn't i mean you know i i actually believe that normal is just a button on a dishwasher i mean there's there's no such thing as, as normal you know every every family has their um, you know, their issues and their challenges and their, and their opportunities. But I just had this perception that, um, you know, what I saw around me that everybody's life was just, you know, perfect, you know, everything that I saw was a representation of, you know, what their life was like behind closed doors. And, you know, so I was very confused. I had these expectations in my mind that this is the way it's supposed to be. And, you know, behind closed doors are, um, you know, our family wasn't that way. You know, our, our it wasn't. um, um You know, it, it it was just different. It was just very confusing. You know, and I always make it clear that what I do today and, and my my ministry, my passion, is all about delivering solutions and telling a story to provide hope. You know, my my parents um, were doing the best they could with the tools that they were given, so they are. Um, I love them. I love them for who they are. And I find things that I'm grateful for, for them. Um, they just simply were doing the best they could with the tools that they were given.
1: There are some incidents that happened in your life, though, that led you down a path of destruction. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Well, it, you know, I am, you know, you know, as a young child, I, I, um, my mom's father was um you know, I always say, you know, he violated me. He, he crossed this line. You know, I witnessed um, numerous times my grandfather and my grandmother having very physical, graphic, you know, confrontations when my grandfather would beat her up and, and they would hit each other and they were always screaming and they were drunk. And um, and he was a, um, you know, a border patrolman for, you know, the, for Texas. And, you know, he was a police officer and he would just gravitate towards me. He was very attracted to me. And, you know he sexually abused me i mean he was he was um you know always touching me fondling me sleeping with me um everywhere i went he was there um and so it it came to a part where you know i would just take it because i wanted to protect my my little brother um i didn't want my family to know about it because i didn't want them to be mad or angry or you know, in shame. And I definitely didn't want the world to know about it because I wanted this perception that, hey, we're okay. You know, we're just like y'all. And what was really interesting was, is that, you know, my parents would always say, you know, you are just like, you know, your grandfather, you know, even, you know, your mannerisms, um, the way you talk, your, your, I mean, even your fingers and and the way you you know you you wave your hands. I mean, they would get into detail. Little did they know behind the you know closed doors of what he was doing to me. And they said, you know, you're going to grow up to be just like him. And then I would hear them say how much they hated him, you know, because mm-hmm. he was such a raging alcoholic. And I mean, they couldn't stand him, and they just talked so bad about him all the time. So I felt like that's who I was. And so it was a very very confusing, you know, scary you know, scary life, you know, growing up, because I did not want to be like this guy. Uh, but yet I didn't want to tell them what was going on. I didn't know how to because it was a secret. You know, there's no way they're going to believe me.
1: This eventually led you to alcohol, to drugs, to jail. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: It did. It It, it was, Um. you know, I was trying to find ways to escape, You know, uh, you know, as a young child, I was you know, very hyper, very outgoing. You know, I was, I was trying to seek visible things to fix my invisible problems. And, you know, I was trying to be funny and humorous and, you know, be the center of the the, the family. And, you know, I was, you know, uh, my father was mother were very physically abusive with me. And, you know, I'll never forget that this um, one time and, you know, they had me doing all the chores around the house and I was confused about that because my brother never had to do anything. And, and, you know, my mom was, you know, an alcoholic and my, my, um, my dad, didn't, my dad didn't drink, but I'll never forget that I had a, a a drink of, you know, I had a beer at a very young age, like at 10 years old. And I just remember, I remember something happened. It just changed the way I felt. And, you know, my shoulders went back and I stood taller and, and, and I always say this, I started to feel like everybody around me looked, you know, mm-hmm. I started to feel like this is what this is what everybody feels like. And I, and I need this to, to feel that way. And I see why they've invented alcohol and, and it was medicine. And so from that day forward, you know, at 10 years old, I wasn't, you know, putting down a 12 pack of beer a day, but, you know, I didn't realize it was the alcohol that was doing that until, you know, as I was getting older and older, uh, the alcohol use, you know, got more and more, um, you know, towards the end, I was drinking alcohol and doing drugs, did drugs too, excuse me, um, to, um, to feel good about the bad things I was doing. And, you know, it led to, um, you know, it led to a, um, a destructive life. You know, I grew up, I grew up in a wealthy family, you know, we had a lot of money and I grew up in the country clubs and, you know, I gravitated towards the men in the men's locker room at the country club. And, you know, these guys showed me how to, um, how to live they showed me how to how to be a man they showed me you know the ways to drink and gamble and and lie and 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 treat women and i thought infidelity was just the way of life and you know they also taught me how to die and and so it was a great place to um hang out and hang out you know i gravitated towards people who were drinking and doing drugs because they could co-sign on my pain they could co-sign on my resentments you know they were never in solution. And never God was in the, in the, you know, in the conversation Um, where it led me to, um, you know, in 2011, where, you know, I went from a high net worth to, to uh, getting my very first mugshot in 2011. And, you know, I said that, you know, I'm becoming this guy that, you know, I said I would never be, I just would never be this guy. And when I got arrested, I'm down there and it was just a whole different world. It was a world that just absolutely floored me. And, and I literally said, I'm, I'm, I'm never doing this again. I have become this guy that I, I said I would never be. And, you know, jail always scared me. And, um, I hear people that were homeless and, you know, went to jail and, I even heard the stories about people going to jail and saying that they were never going to drink or do drugs again. And at the second that they got released, they got drunk and high that night. And, and that's what I did. I mean, I literally said, I'm not going to drink or do drugs anymore. And I got bonded out and I got drunk and high that night um, after my first mugshot. And then, you know, 26 mugshots later, a total of 27 mugshots, and four years incarcerated. Um, you know, I had this spiritual awakening
1: i want to take a few steps back in the midst of this, even going back to your childhood. Was God a part of your life? Did you have any faith life at all at that point?
0: No, I was I was completely agnostic. It was a very confusing deal to me. I heard the word God. You know, people talk about God. You know, I went to church, um, but it made absolutely no sense to me. I I just I, I couldn't even fathom that, you know, Casper, the friendly ghost was out there, you know, that was going to you know, that, that was controlling my life. And, you know, especially why would a God, you know, allow all these things, you know, to happen to me, you know, why would, why would a God, why would a God allow this, you know? So it was mm-hmm. a very confusing and it turned into a me world. You know, I was God and it was all about, you know, um living, you know, living earthly desires It's just, you know, I saw church and I, I knew what church I knew what it looked like. What it, I mean, I just, I didn't know anything about it. and I didn't care to, I just did literally did not care to, I've had people witness to me and, you know, and, um, you know, I was, you know, people say, are you a believer? I, oh yeah. I'm a believer, you know, just to kind of go along with the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was around a bunch of believers, I was a believer, you know, but it was, I had no concept of it. Didn't want to.
1: It's very interesting though, the way that you did end up discovering God and how he came into your life. Can you share a little bit about that please
0: well the um the what's interesting about it is the um you know when I was locked up i i um it was very interesting because I was so paranoid about being locked up i mean because i'm i was being confined. Um, I was, wow, it was just, it was, um, I'm lost for words here because I'm really searching, trying to get that feeling back because it was over, you know, it was just game over. And, and when I went to, when I went to jail and then eventually, you know, took, you know, I was about to go to prison, you know, I never put hands on anybody so they you know they would diagnose you and they put you in different tanks you know they put you in you know you know drug addicts would be a drug addicts child molesters would be a child molesters and murderers would be a murderers which is aggravated assault tank and and they and they put me um they put me in this aggravated assault tank and i wasn't supposed to be there you know i literally was not supposed to be there and I'm in there and you're locked up in a four by nine room and it, the door only opens, you know, basically two to three hours a day. So I'm stuck in this room and this is a guy that could, was jet setting around the world and was doing whatever he wanted to do, owned his own company. And, and I'm just pacing like crazy. I'm, I'm about to literally crawl out of my skin. I want to die. I, I, I don't want to, I just don't even want to um, be alive. And, I'm on this top bunk and the guy that below me, you know, he catches chain, which means he goes off to his next destination. And so I'm about to go down to the bottom bunk and this old man comes into the tank that's doing life for murder. And, you know, we all have our, our prison names and, you know, my name was rabbit. and They called me rabbit because I couldn't sit still. And hmm. as I'm about to get down, this old man comes in dragging his mat and he's like 75 years old and he has polio, you know, his little legs are, you know, the size of toothpicks and, and he's got these big Einstein glasses on. And, and um, so I got to let him have the bottom bunk. And, you know, and they call him Owie. And as he comes in, he, he gets in his bunk and he's this nice old man. And, and he sits there and I just say hi to him. And, and I'm out moving around and and he's watching me. And he and, he, and everybody sees me <clears throat> and they call it doing hard time. And hard time is, is when you're sitting there and you're just about to crawl out of your skin. And he says, hey, Rabbit, come here. I need to talk to you. And, and I said, what's going on? And he says, you know, you're doing hard time. And I said, what does that mean? And and he said, you know, you're out in that world. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, you're in your head. He goes, you got to get out of that world. He says, if you don't get out of that world, they're going to chew you off the bone. They're going to they're they're kill you. And, of course, when I went to prison, you know, I was, I was different. I was, I was white and proper. And so they thought I was either gay or a cop so i had to really I had to really blend in quick and try to and try to you know be a part of and and so you know he simply he he didn't have any method behind it you know he was just wanting to do easy time and he says hey can you read to me and i said what do you mean read to you i've never had anybody ask me that in their life except a child you know a 5 year old and he says yeah could you read to me i i, I can't read i said okay so I go to this gangbanger and I asked him, I said, hey, can you give um, a book I can read? And he says, yeah, under my, you know, as my pillow, people would, you know, get books off the book cart, you know, in prison uh, because they'd use them for pillows. They didn't get them to read. They would do them to prop their mat up so they could have a pillow. Mm-hmm. And so I started reading this Bible to him. It's called the Living Recovery Bible, the New Living Translation. And, you know, it's just black words on white paper and I'm reading to him. And as I've said in previous interviews, the next thing I know, four days go by. And, you know, the days used to crawl. I mean, they were like 100-hour days. And I found it interesting that four days went by, and I wasn't this anxiety and this this just pain was just going away. and um, But I didn't know what was happening. And so I continued to read to them. And you know on July 7th which is actually coming up July 7th 2017 i was in my top bunk and um you know i i, I didn't say i don't pray i didn't pray at all you know I, I just i woke up with a i thought a medical condition and i couldn't breathe i literally could not breathe and so i was trying to get oxygen into my body and i I'd take this deep breath and i just force all this air out and when i did that all this like guilt, shame, remorse, anger. And and I'm not a movie watcher, but I did see the movie Green Mile. And if if you've seen it, when he blows out, all the flies are coming out of his body. That's what it was like. All this just darkness was coming out of me. I felt just darkness coming out of me. And then when all that happened, I literally took this deep breath and just go, I mean, I filled my lungs up as much oxygen as I could. And it would just it was love. I mean, it was just it was it was like ice water. I mean, I just it was this awakening like no other, and I just like was looking around and you know people were sleeping, but I was just like I just wanted to see people, and I I, was, I saw guards moving around, and I'm I'm like going, dude, I love that guy, I love that woman, I love him, I love her. I looked down at Ooh, I love this guy. I, mean, I just wanted to go down and hug him, and and it was just it, I was born again. I mean, Christ just filled my life, you know, filled my spirit. And and so this Bible, I kept reading it to Uwe, and the words started jumping off the page. And that made sense to me. And here's what's cool. is like the next day this new inmate comes in, and he's just, he's being charged with murder and um, arson. He just burnt down like a 300-unit apartment complex, and killed people, and and when he came in, his girlfriend gave him this book called detours written by Dr. Tony Evans. And, and so um, he gave it to me and I said, well, why don't you want it? He says, well, I can't read. So I started reading it and the book detours is about the story of Joseph and man, this book, I mean, it took me to a whole new level. And, you know, I was using that book with the Bible and I was just like by myself and reading and journaling and, and reading all this stuff. And these murderers are coming up to me and who is coming up to me. And they said, um, man, your handwriting is so awesome because my parents used to say, my grandfather had beautiful handwriting and my handwriting was like him. They go, your handwriting is incredible. And they said, you know, will you write a letter to my, my family for me. And I said, well, okay, but why, why can't you write a letter? And they said, well, we can't read, we can't write. And so when all this was happening, I started reading and I started writing for these guys. And so this tank that people were getting killed in, they were hanging themselves from the second row, started coming together. And this tank became this beautiful church. I mean, it, it became like we were serving one another. A new inmate would come in. We would greet him. <laughs> we would <laughs> greet him. We would lead him to his room. And the guards have never seen anything like it. I mean, it was the most beautiful, safest, serene place I've, I've ever been. And these are guys who have intentionally killed people. They wanted to kill people. And they've turned out to be the most loving, precious human beings that I've ever been around. And I still miss them to this day.
1: And, What's he- What's even more amazing from listening to you is it's as simple as you reading. That's reading.
0: it. And what I, what I realized was is that is I, I I lost track of days. I lost, I lost track of time and I was experiencing doing easy time. And what easy time is, is being in the now. And so I was learning how do I, how do I live in the now? And the way I was living in the now was, I was simply serving others, expecting nothing in return. You know, God takes this proper man, you know, who who is who is a great businessman and 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 and, and successful on worldly terms and throws him into the pit like Joseph, you know, to mm-hmm. to be around a bunch of men who can't even write their name and used and you know used me to to serve these guys for me to understand that this is what it's all about. You know, this is what it's about is, is serving others, you know, helping others. And so I just kept doing that. And, you know, and then, you know, as I'm transferred to prison, um, I walk in, I got to start all over, you know, I walk in and there's another tank that I'm in and it's rock and roll. I mean, it is even worse. And I walk in with my Bible, you know, the Bible that that guy let me use, Mm. um, I bought it from them for 10 soups, you know, um, that's $10. I used to make $20 million real estate deals. And the most, the most, the largest purchase I've ever made in my life was buying that Bible. Um, and it's actually sitting right next to me right now. Um, and I took that with me and I walked in and to another murder tank and it was crazy. And I walked in and I started over and I just got up and I didn't know anybody in there. And I sat down and was just started reading my Bible. And I was writing and an inmate walked up and he saw my handwriting and goes, man, your handwriting is legit. That is cool. Um, and he says, "Will you write my name so I could have someone tattoo it on me. I said, well, sure. So I wrote his name and the word spread in the tank about my handwriting. And then I started reading to people and they couldn't read and write. And it happened all again. And then that tank wow. came together and it turned out to be this, the exact same thing. You know, um, my, my cellmate at that time, his name was Juice. Uh, He's a big blood gang member and, you know, he came to believe. And um, on October 13th, 2017, they, you know, they came over the, 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 over the speaker and and it was a Friday, you know, nothing happens on Fridays when you're incarcerated. They, you know, they make sure that nothing's happening. They just get locked down for the weekend and they came over the the speaker and they said, you know, Michael Moulton, uh, bunk and junk. That means, you know, get everything in your bunk and get your junk and, get ready to go you're you're free and which was a mistake it was a god deal but it was i wasn't it was i wasn't supposed to be set free it was just like the tank just was like freaking out i was freaking out they're like even the guards were you know they were like going this guy is it, it's, his time's not served and they said the state of texas has released him and that's when they um they, phys- they literally physically kicked me out. I mean, I was like, this is not right. You know, please make sure this is right. Cause I don't want to have to go through booking again and go. And they, 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 they kicked me out. And I literally looked up in the sky and I just said, this is, I don't know what to do. I was scared to death. I, mean, I didn't have anything, nothing, no people, no money, no phone, nothing. And I was 300 miles away. And, um, God literally said, walk. And, um, I traveled over 300 miles. Um, back to Dallas to turn myself in to Judge Bennett because you know this technicality I, I had to go finish doing my time and um, I walked into the courthouse and and um, and she said you know I've heard what's been going on and you know I'm not going to get in the way of it and she, um, she you know she said before you know before she you know sentenced me and she's always been a big fan of mine you know trying to like you know I want you to get well she says but You know, when you do your time and you get out, I want you to come back and see me. And so um, little did she know I was going to come back a a lot earlier. And so I did. I came back and saw her and to turn myself in. And and she pardoned me because she heard what was happening. And she simply said this. She said, you know, go pay it forward. Um, And that's what I've been doing. You know, I didn't have a business plan. I didn't say this is what I'm going to go do. I literally left there and I went to the Salvation Army and um, I was homeless and and um You know, the media, local Dallas media was, you know, chasing it. And there was a radio show, a big business radio show in Dallas called with Brian Glenn called In the Know. And they didn't know what was going on, but they just wanted to know what happened to this well-known, very successful, high-end luxury home builder. And they were trying to find me. And uh, my dad's name is the same. They were calling my dad. He goes, I don't know where he's at. Well, I went and showed up my dad's doorstep. And um, he said, you need to call this guy. They're looking for you. And I thought, so I, I don't know what it was. And I called him and did an interview. I was released on a Friday and I was um, in court on Wednesday. I was on a radio interview Thursday and I shared this entire story on this radio interview. And they said, well, this makes sense. And what year was this, you know, when all this happened? And I said, this was Friday. <laughs> you know
1: <what> <laughs>
0: and so, um, once that happened, um, you know, the local media got it, and just God took it, and ended up getting a show at iHeartRadio. Radio, and and now I'm on this great show with you, and still telling the story uh, five years later.
1: It's unbelievable uh, the way that God can work in the most unusual ways.
0: You know, He's always working. It's it's, it's that when we're spiritually connected, we get to see what He's doing. You know, mm-hmm. the the my story doesn't end. You know, when I speak. When I speak, you know, and I'm, I'm I'm sharing stories, you know, I'll I'll lead up to whatever happened this morning, you know. I see God working, you know, the yesterday, you know, and it's a part of my story. Um, but when I'm spiritually disconnected, I'm not seeing what He's doing, you know, because I'm into self. I'm into self. And how do we get out of self? I read to someone, you know, that, that's kind of my, my go-to. And you know, doing this interview with you helps me, you know. I, I, I'm not thinking about me right now. You know, I, I hope this message just reaches one person, you know, to provide hope that, you know, we're, we're, we're all addicts. We are, every one of us who's listening to this is, is it, is an addict? We're addicted to sin, you know, we're, we're, we're addicted to, you know, people, places, things, or thoughts that have become our source, you know, is addiction. And so how do we get out of that is, is serving, you know, and that's why, you know, serving one another is, is such a rewarding feeling because we're not thinking about ourselves.
1: What I love too, is the way you're serving. You're serving in a way that is comfortable to you in a way that is reaching thousands upon thousands of people.
0: It is. I hope so. It, 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 you know, it is, we, we don't, um, I don't have a marketing plan. You know, I'm, uh, what, what I do is not about, um, promotion it's about attraction it's just like you reaching out to me this is how it happens you know we don't sit down with the team and go reach you know 50 networks and see how many networks we can be on you know so everything that you have seen you know with m2 the rock or heard you know they have they've contacted us they've contacted me and that's what's so cool about it and that's when that's when i know the message is being heard um and that's what, that's kind of my report card. How do I know if I'm spiritually connected? How do I know if I'm walking with Christ is that people are, are reaching out, wanting to hear more Um, because if I'm forcing it, you know, I'm trying to play God. Does that make sense? Yep. Uh,
1: at the end of the day for that person that has listened to your story today and is like, well, okay, whatever. That's one in a million. That's not going to happen to me. What would you say to that person?
0: Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. You know, when, when, when the pain gets bad enough, you know, when the pain gets bad enough, God will allow, he will allow me to have all the control I want in my life for everything to become completely out of control, for me to hit my knees, to turn to him, to realize I never had control in the first place. Right. Mm You know, I was that guy that I would hear stories about people that were drinking and doing drugs going, man, I lost my wife. I lost my family. I lost my company. I lost my house. I lost all these things. I became homeless. I was living underneath the bridge. I was that guy saying, wow, I will never be that person yet. Yet you're eligible too, And um, and if my story can raise the bottom for someone going wow and and what that is is simply this the difference between the man or the woman underneath the bridge and me is one thing and that's the bridge that's it you know that that's the difference because it, it to to raise the bottom and, and if someone's listening to this is is to literally if you're struggling with substance abuse disorder you know chemical abuse or or sex or gambling, any visible thing that has become your source is to, is to, asking for help is huge, but simply getting honest to yourself and saying, I don't know why I'm doing the things I'm doing. I just don't know why I'm doing that. And if you're a man, reach out to a man that you want what he's got. As a man, you see these men, you feel that spirit and you're going, dude, I want what that guy's got. You know, go have lunch with them and say, dude, I want what you got. I've been watching you, you know, I'm not real close to you, but I see you, I feel you. And if you're a woman, you know, you see a woman that, that, that they carry this spirit and this presence and this peace, and you want what they got, go get with them and and take that risk and say, listen, I'm struggling. I don't know why I'm doing the things that I'm doing and I need help. And it will change your life.
1: You recently shared your story with I am second. What are you hoping people will take away from that video?
0: Hope you know just um, you know just just some hope. Um, I hope what they take away from is that um, you know Christ is <clears throat> Christ is not behind you know brick walls, you know he's bigger than that you know I, um, I always say this when it, when it comes to religion, man-made religion and, and and you know I'm agnostic, but when it comes to Jesus Christ and the gospel and the Word of God, you know, I'm all in. I mean, I am all in. That is, that is, that is what I hope they get out of it. You know, Christ is, you know, it's a very intimate relationship. You know, he, um, and I said it in the I Am Second, you know, I betray him every day. You know, I betray him. But the beautiful thing about having Christ in my life is I recognize it. See, before I didn't recognize it. I just didn't even recognize it. But, you know, I recognize it today. and, and, And I go, hey, you know, Jesus, uh, I'm doing it again. You know, I'm doing it again. And I need you to, uh, you know, to uh, you know, get me back on track. And and what a a great feeling, you know, that we're not alone.
1: For those who want to check out your white chair film with I Am Second or want to learn more about you or your show, how can they go about doing that?
0: Well, they want to, you know, go to IamSecond.com. You know uh, they have the film right there you can go to m2 the rock that's the letter m the number two the rock t-h-e-r-o-c-k.com um, you can google it go to all of our social media platforms you know i'm very active on social media um you know i do snippets every day of just something that fills my heart and i share it and um you know there you go you, i'm easy to find you know if if you want to know my criminal record, Google me. If you want to know what I'm doing today, Google, Google <laughs> me. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting that my very first mugshot, I was so ashamed of it. And I didn't want anybody to see it. You know, my 27 mugshots are my marketing tool today.
1: I love it. I love your story. I'm very thankful that you made time for us today. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, I love you guys. And I love what y'all are doing. And what an honor to be asked to be on your show.
1: And thank you so much for joining us and for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.